I'm Mark Holland. And I'm Omar Algarber. And this is... In Camera. So, we're back again this week uh, in the house. Uh, Action Pack Week, we had the, uh, the fall economic statement that was uh, delivered two days ago. What did you think about that? I thought it was great. Uh, you know, sometimes in the House of Commons we get uh, 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 drowned by partisan stuff. And it was a good opportunity for our finance minister to uh, uh, be articulate about the status of the economy and our government's policy moving forward. And the high on a high level, the economy is doing incredibly well. Canada is leading the G7 in, uh, uh, both in uh, GDP growth uh, and obviously job creation. And the great news is a lot of that has been full-time jobs, which has been really... 450,000 jobs. It's, it's great. It's phenomenal. And it's great to see the, the investments we're making in the middle class, people putting that money back into the economy and helping it to grow. So Canada is really in a great position. In fact, we haven't seen growth like this in over a decade. So it's uh, it's it's good news. Still a lot more to do, obviously, but, um, but it's... Uh, but it was a great update. And we also had the by-election, um, uh, two by-elections, one in Alberta and one in Quebec. Don't want to forget talking about Bob Ray, though. Right, the yes. appointment of Bob Ray. All right, well, let's start there. Bob Ray was appointed uh, to deal with the Rohingya crisis. Uh, the Prime Minister appointed a special envoy. This is a, a, it's a, it's a tool that uh, a Prime Minister rarely uses. And uh, on Monday, uh, Prime Minister announced the appointment of Bob Ray to be his envoy to the situation in Myanmar and uh, the Rohingya. And I know that uh, with uh, with your role in foreign affairs, you're, uh, you're fairly close to this. And I've actually received more correspondence on the situation with the Rohingya than I have uh, on any other issue uh, so far this term. I, I, uh, people are rightfully are deeply concerned about the crisis that's happening on the border. I don't know if you can speak to it a little bit more um, uh, from your perspective. Well, I can certainly you know say that Canada has been a world leader in speaking out on the situation. Uh, we have uh, led the wor world in, uh, in pointing out the atrocities and in condemning it and in calling out the military and the civilian government in Myanmar uh, and reminding them of their moral and, uh, and legal responsibility. Um, but we, uh, on Monday we moved a step forward because we are looking for concrete steps to take and we've appointed uh, a, a, a well-respected eminent Canadian Bob Ray, to, uh, to look into this, to travel to the region, to investigate, be on the ground, and come back with recommendations. Yeah, and I have so much time for Bob Ray. We had a chance to serve with him. Uh, he's somebody who I have a, a, really a lot of respect for. Uh, and given the size of the humanitarian crisis, I, I think it's great that that attention is being placed there. I know uh, all of us are preoccupied with what's happening there. And we've seen that from, from all sides of the House. Uh, and then on, on a lighter topic, we talk about uh, uh, the by-elections the by that happened yesterday uh, in Alberta. We got two brand new members of Parliament. We had a great result from our perspective in Quebec, a, a riding we hadn't held since 1980. Uh, pretty good news, right? It's great news. Um, the, uh, the riding in Quebec uh, um, uh, had been um, a separatist, a bloc Québécois riding for a very, very long time. Yeah, this is a riding that I think had 73% uh, support for... Uh, for yes, yes. Uh, in the referendum vote, uh, so it's uh, so it's pretty exciting, and we're looking forward to having a new member in this place. A bit of an interesting tradition uh, with a new member. They're uh, they're dragged uh, they're dragged in. I don't know where that tradition comes in. The, <laughs> the leader drags them as if they're unwilling. Anybody who's going to go through a by election, the idea that they would be unwilling to come into this place afterwards, you know, it's it, a bit bizarre. It is, and I think we we will talk about that uh, in a moment uh, about uh, perhaps uh, our 
conflict, inter internal conflict uh, as a politician, whether you want to be in the House or not. <laughs> but uh, before, to continue talking about the by-election, in the last election, which was two years ago, uh, that riding was the worst performing riding for the Liberal Party east of Saskatchewan. Yeah, not, didn't we, didn't we get like 3% in, in 2011? That was 2011, we got 3%. Yeah. But I'm talking about 2015, we got obviously more than 3%, but it was still our worst performing really? okay. riding in Quebec and east of Saskatchewan, not just in Quebec. For us to come back from our worst performing riding in the last election two years ago to winning it, says a lot about the, uh, uh, the faith that people of Quebec and Canadians in general have in our policies, in the progress that we have made. Yeah, and I think, I think it's no small part because of the growth in the economy. And uh, I think policies like improving uh, the, the Canada Child Benefit, which again, we've augmented again this week uh, in, the economic, uh, in the economic update, uh, now also uh, targeting um, uh, people who are working, uh, who are impoverished, who don't have children, and recognizing that we need to help there, uh, and it's and I, and I think we see it paying dividends, obviously, in the, in the growth that's happening. But you know, we talk about um, uh, new members coming, and, yes. and you and I were kind of talking in the house before. And by the way, we we think we may have a special guest next week, uh, Matt DeCourcy, who who sits with us. Uh, but well, you know, you never know if Matt's going to cover or not. But we, as we were all talking, we thought, uh, reflecting kind of how we came into politics. And um, uh, and thought we talk about that today. Yeah, uh, you know, every um, we we just uh, rem uh, talked about how a new member gets elected uh, through a by-election. They get dragged in. They get dragged in. There's this Did you feel dragged in? I I, I know I won in the general election my first time and my second time, so I'd never. No, but did you feel dragged in? Did you feel? Did I feel dragged in? Uh, no. No, I don't know. I, I think I was... So in your case, was it wasn't a sense of, um, uh, you know, sort of a sense of duty or you had to respond to an emergency issue. You kind of had an internal passion. A, you wanted to be here. Because some people do come to this place reluctantly. I mean, we joke about people being dragged in. But, there, you know, I can think of a number of members who've come here and uh, did so kind of because they had an, a specific issue that they wanted to address, but maybe politics really wasn't their thing. Yes, yes. And and I, I, I recall my first election that I won in 2006, I felt a great sense of awesome responsibility on my shoulder after yeah. the victory. I'm like, uh oh, now I have to go out there and do it. Now I'm a member of parliament representing an entire riding, people of that riding carrying with me their uh, concerns and aspirations. So I do remember the awesome responsibility and I try every day. So what drove that? Myself. Like what, what drove, why did you get into this business? Why, what, why did you decide that you wanted to come to parliament? And better question, when did you decide that politics was something that you wanted to pursue? You know, I started off volunteering with organizations, with uh, not-for-profit organizations, out of sense of passion, out of sense of duty, saying I want to make this world, this community and the, the greater world a better place for all of us. And, and, and I've come to terms then, I realized that, you know, every time you want to advocate for something, you got to go talk to politicians. Right. So and you were interacting with a lot of I politicians. I started interacting with politicians. In fact, you and I interacted at yes, one point. Yes, in time. Yes, So yes. when I met you and we, and there, there it was an attack on a mosque, I think, that it was happening yeah, Pickering. Yeah, yes. There and you and vandalism. I met, yeah, there was vandalism there, which is, which is obviously deeply upsetting. And, and you and I had a, a, a chance to meet. And I, it's rare that you remember meeting somebody the first time. I remember um, uh, meeting you there. 
And at that point, did you know that that was a something? No, no. no. Okay, no, so you, you didn't were, even know back then. You were at that time a city councilor. I was. I wasn't and, an MP. I was a councilor. And you were positioning yourself to run for the upcoming election. Well, I was hoping to. Yeah, I think. I think there was a, there was a new seat being created, and I and I had uh, been a councilor for I think six years at that point. That was yeah. We might have met in two thousand and three because yeah. it was June of. 2004 that I ran. So we would have met at that point and obviously I knew I wanted to run federally but we'll come back to me in a, in a second. You at that point still didn't know that it was in your horizon because it wasn't that much longer from that. It was not at all. 2006 I, is not that much longer. I mean your nomination was when in 2005? My nomination was in December 2005. In fact in the middle of a general election which was a snap election if you recall. I do remember yeah. So I, In the dead I, of winter I might add. Exactly. Brutal. Brutal. That. So bad. Uh, uh, not the least of which it was because I won that election. But uh, uh, I never knew that I was going to run for office at that time when we met. I never knew just prior to So what election. was the trip? Okay, so you're talking about the fact you're interacting with politicians. You are you kind of got this interest. But what was the, the, the tipping point for you that well, you wanted I, to Well, I developed that interest when I realized how accessible politics is, how accessible right. politicians are, and how powerful it is to be uh, in, involved in politics. Uh but I never thought I had a career. I'm an engineer with a business degree. I was working for a large corporation with a with a future, uh, and then my MP had retired and decided that she wasn't going to run in the next election. So there was an opening. That was there. Carolyn Parrish. It was Carolyn Parrish. Right. And 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 uh, I was a member of her writing association, and I remember at that time thinking about it, and I was struggling with that decision. In fact, I would be each night I would be going back and forth, and it. And I went to a few friends asking them, do you think I should do it? Do you think I should do it? Hoping, uh, like it was an enormous actually undertaking. And I didn't think I could raise money. I didn't think I'd have enough volunteers come and volunteer for my campaign. And I would be asking a few friends, hoping somebody would say, don't worry, if you decide to run, I'm going to raise the, you know, the $100,000 you're going to need. Or somebody's going to tell me, don't worry, if you run, I will bring you 100 volunteers. That never happened it because people will say oh, if you people say run, it. people say it. yeah you get that all the time but yeah. nobody nobody was willing to say don't worry I'll look after everything for you sure and that was naive of me actually to expect other people to say it and sure. that was the advice one of my best friends had given me before asking people I mean it's good to consult people but before you do that you need to know what's deep inside you what's your passion so true yeah good because I mean look if you're not willing this is a this is a job that requires uh, people of any aisle. I don't care what party you're from, to go out and win a nomination, to go out and win an election, uh, is is a massive undertaking. Uh, and you, the only way you can put yourself through that, uh, and put your name on the line, uh, and go through the process of the nerve-wracking process of your name being on a ballot, is if you got that internal drive and passion. And you, exactly. And if you want your friends and 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 neighbors and and people you know to support you they got to see that you're first committed to it and right. that you want to do it and then you explain why you want to do it right they're not going to do that for you they're not right. going to it's not a halfway thing they're not going to explain to you why you should run they right. might try to persuade you either way but you need to know but i mean for me it's interesting that you go from not having because my story is a bit different i mean for 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 me it's interesting that you go from not picturing yourself into politics to going to that place where you have that kind of passion for it where people can see this is something that you're willing to really walk through fire to try to make happen. Um, what was that turn? Like how, I mean, what, what was there, a, was there an issue, an event or something that happened? It was, for me, it was, the passion had always been there, but I always thought of it as, as a hobby, you know, you know, as a passion that I pursue right. uh, after hours, not, you know, not, 
to uh, uh, not as a career, not to interrupt my career, right? Uh, and it was just the switching for me happened when I decided that yeah, I can use politics as a vehicle for my passion. So right. the passion didn't necessarily change; it was the form uh, that changed, and it was my switching my mindset. To so what's changed for you now? I mean, you, you now we we picture there's going to be two new members coming in the house. They're coming in as you did, as I did, with certain set of expectations of the place. That feeling that you had, the passion, the drive, the feeling that you could change, how has that moved with time? Where, where are you now with it? Uh, well, I, I, I certainly like to think that I've matured a lot politically over the last 10 years. Uh, gone, it's been you know, a good learning experience so far. It's been so a far. good learning experience, <laughs> and you, you all know what that means. Uh, but uh, it, it certainly, I, politi I matured politically. Um, I, I now know if you go in there with these idealistic, unreasonable expectations, like you're going to solve world hunger, you might, after a couple of years, feel frustrated and feel you're not able to achieve anything and, and become cynical. Yeah, but that's if, a good point. But if you go in there realizing that you have limited um, uh, uh, things you can control, and if you focus on tangible uh, advances that you can advocate, that you can pick your battles, you can move the needle on, you feel a lot more gratified. But I mean, it's such a good point because I think when you come here, um, you know, incremental change is not what you're, is burning inside of you. You know, you have so much that you want to change, so much you want to do, um, and you have to accept. I mean, this is, when you're talking about an entire country, uh, the change is incredibly difficult and slow. And I, you know, and I sometimes find that very frustrating. Um, and it, it means that if you have a, a couple of issues, because really you can't focus on all of them, you can only narrow, pick a couple, that you know it can be glacial at times, seeing the things you want to change. And people will come to you and they'll be angry at you that you haven't changed X or Y, and you don't even disagree with them. You know, you you share that frustration that that issue hasn't moved the way that you wanted it to. But you also understand this place. You understand the patience that it takes. And I think that's a tough thing. I, I think that is something that I didn't, I, even though I came from, because municipal politics, you know, it, it you were in a very small area. So you could make very quick change to, to something that was in a small area. Here, it's tougher. You know, the most difficult pal uh, balance in this job is on the one hand, I want to reaffirm people's um, uh, grievances that I know are legitimate. So I want to reinforce that I agree with you. I can't believe that we still haven't been able to eliminate uh, uh, poverty. I can't believe that we are not uh, uh, dramatically reducing greenhouse gases overnight. Uh, but so I want to I want to reaffirm those grievances because that's what drive us to do better. Right. But on the other hand, I don't want them to be cynical that nothing has happened. It's so a fine balance. It's, it's yeah. A fine balance. And, I, and I think it depends. We have to be very careful on how we coach that. Right. I mean, I think that if we can share the objective and say we want to do these things, uh, but then be honest about the timelines. I never have a hard time with somebody coming to a town hall meeting or sending me an angry email uh, and standing up and saying, you know, you're not doing enough. You got to move faster. That's healthy. That's good. Um, but I think we have to be very careful about the expectations we set um, because, uh, you know, I think that the world is about small change. It is about like getting to really big change often has to happen incrementally. It is. And it's, 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 it's not just in politics. It's in real life. I, you know, I, I remind myself often that I had to do the same thing even in my uh, private sector jobs. It wasn't easy to make massive changes overnight. Uh, at home, sometimes we argue between families about making changes and we have to compromise. So it is the way things are in life because you have to work with other people. And if you want to bring people with you to make that change, you have to 
persuade, you have to compromise, and you also need these checks and balances to make sure that you don't overreach and you don't go too far and make big mistakes with intended or sometimes unintended consequences. Well, let's we can leave this on a bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, we can come back and talk about um, uh, about the reasons why I entered politics I and my can't story. Wait to hear those yeah, reasons. everybody's on the edge of their seat. I know <laughs> Omar and I are talking like we've never <laughs> talked about these issues before. But I, you know what, I think it's important because you know a lot of times. Um, I have so much respect for people who run for public life, uh, and I say that it has nothing to do with party. But a lot of times, people don't know why people run. They don't know what's driving them, what's motivating them, and I, and I think sometimes it's really helpful to hear those stories of why people come to this place. I, I'm con I, I really find that fascinating, and so it's one of the reasons we decided to share it here, and we're going to do it with me soon. Um, and I would say on um, on the broader issue, and I'll close with you on this. Um, you know, how are you feeling about the job today? How's, your, how's the fire in your belly for it today? Uh, I, you know, uh, again, having gone through victories and losses, um, I am much more grateful for the opportunity to come back to the House of Commons and serve and, 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 and advocate for issues that I care for. Because uh, this is term two for you. We should yes. point out for anybody who doesn't know, Omar elected uh, and then went through a very tough loss, lost by just a handful of votes. By 300 votes. 300 which has got to be hard. I mean, speak to that for a second. I mean, they, I've always said that I'd much rather lose by uh, by a wide margin than a narrow margin. And that's got, I mean, that was a really tough thing for you to go through by such a short margin. You know, I, I tell people I lived a good life for me to say that that was one of the worst days of my point. life. Uh, so I'm lucky to have gone through it, but I can tell you, um, it, it, you know, I s couldn't stop thinking about what else could I have done to overcome that 0.7% of the mar uh, margin of, of defeat. And uh, it's a lesson, it was a lesson for me. Uh, it certainly made me much more grateful. Uh, but also, I think it's a lesson for everybody to realize how important their votes are. Uh, your candidate oh, yeah. can win and lose uh, by just by narrowest the, the narrowest margin. And and I, I think that uh, you know when people say oh it doesn't matter uh, one person I mean those those days were minority governments uh, every vote counted we had a lot of decisions that were made by the speaker because he had to break a tie, and uh, and you know you talk about it I I think I didn't understand. Even as I saw how hard it was for you to lose, I didn't understand myself how hard it was to lose until I lost. I remember Janet Eckers telling me, it's like driving down the 401 and 100 kilometers an hour and hitting a brick wall and just everything stops all of a sudden because this thing occupies all of your life and uh, really too much of our life. It's hard not to. Uh, and then all of a sudden it just stops and you're supposed to make a hard right turn and do something completely different with your life. So I, yeah, I know that was really hard, but I interrupted you. You were telling us sort of where you are today. And we'll yeah, close with I'm, that. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that the fire remains uh, 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 keeping me warm. Uh, there are days when uh, I am very frustrated uh, by lack of ability to uh, push certain files further. Uh, but there are most days I am, I'm, I'm gratified by the, the changes that I'm able to be involved in, that the conversations that I have with, with Canadians, with friends, with the Prime Minister, with our cabinet, with, with my colleagues. So, uh, you know, I know and I never want to forget how important and the awesome responsibility I have on my shoulder. And I always want to remind myself of that because it's easy to get caught in, in, in maybe partisan spin or... or or are the privilege that we have, 
uh, and I can say today that I'm as passionate as ever and I'm perhaps wiser than before uh, in picking my battles, in, in focusing on what's important and, and uh, I rely on people like you to continue to give me wisdom and comfort. And a tough time too. Yeah, like well, to a tough time. <laughs> and a tough time because I'd be bored without it. Exactly. Well, it's um, well said. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, that was. Uh, this I'm, I'm disappointed. We were supposed to talk about your. Well, this is you got to understand the nature we, of this cliffhangers. Is, this, this is the, is the way we got to get their listeners back. Look, the there. only way that we 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 grow is you got to have you got to have like a like some kind of cliffhanger, something I, that people I like want. That. I like that. Right. Uh, his story, by the way, is much more interesting than mine. So. Well, that's that's um, that's a that's a great hook, and this is um, again in camera. I'm Mark Holland. And I'm Omar Al-Gabra. Thank you for listening. Please continue to send us your feedback, your input, your uh, subjects that you'd like, you'd like to see us cover. But thank you for listening to In Camera. Mm -hmm.